Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road in New Jersey. And um, I just want to ask you to do me a favor, please, before I tell you a story. I have a new microphone and a new setup here. So it's the same soundboard, but I'll explain that to you in a minute. So I, this is, you know, in drag racing, I would call it the test hit, right? So this is the test hit. And you guys, uh, um, I'm not going to say my guinea pigs, but you're my test hit subjects, right? Because, you know, it's like, this is like drag racing, like building engines or what's supposed to work doesn't work. And what's supposed to go faster, go slower, what's supposed to sound better, sounds worse. So I would ask you to please do me a favor. Please send me an email at hotrodfarmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And, you know, there's so many so many people listening on so many different platforms. Some listen in the farm tractor, some Bluetooth through the car stereo, some listen through, through earbuds. So I would like to know whether this sounds any better than normal, worse than normal, or no perceptible difference. And if you would be kind enough to send me an email, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Because to me, it sounds better through the headset. But when I played it back through my computer, I didn't think it sounded better. So who knows? All right, I don't know. So, uh, but that's that. And I'll go into that in a little bit more detail. At first, I want to welcome you again. And I thank you so much for listening. And uh, as always, I hope that everything is going well for you and your farm or ranch operation and in your life in general and it's uh, no rain here my corn is dying before my eyes and i was blessed the other day to have a a listener actually well he's a little bit more than a listener he's a friend but i mean um jason from out in long island he came up and he came up saturday because i did not have any corn to harvest and he left i said to him the only way it's going to work for me buddy is if you come up in the morning for breakfast and that's what he did and i had the opportunity to uh he's a he's a very good friend of my friend gene who lives in las vegas but it was from long island and uh you may hear different noises within this episode with this new microphone i'll explain that in a minute so jason came up and so we met about 20 years ago, a little bit more than 20 years ago. And uh, and we, you know, spoke on the telephone a couple of times, and uh, he's been a very, very faithful listener to Idle Chatter right from the beginning. I got a fly here. It's driving me crazy. And uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Well, that's what happens when you're recording on the farm. So he came up, and we had a nice morning together. We had breakfast, and then I went and I took him around to uh, show him the area a little bit, and then uh, went to go get some cracked corn. So it was good. It was it was wonderful. It was a blessing, and I want to thank you, Jason, for coming up. So that was that. But anyway, I think I wanted to say something else, but I'm just playing with this new new setup here, so my mind is drifting, which doesn't take much for it to drift these days. So let me give you the backstory on this new setup. I, I got a little bit of a noise there. I don't know what that is. So uh, I think I think it's, uh, well, I'll start from the beginning. So I'll try to be quick and succinct. When I started this whole journey of the Idle Chatter podcast, I had, as I said before in other shows, I think even last week, I have no idea what I'm doing as far as recording. I know engines. I know machinery. I don't know about about recording. And I had no one to help me. And I started it with a cheap, I mean, cheap headset, because I didn't know any better, a USB headset from Staples into my 
old computer and I started to do that and I guess it worked out okay believe it or not I did have people compliment I'm not laughing but I mean I did have people compliment me on the audio quality right from the beginning which I said oh my god so if they knew I was doing it with a $18 headset but I I, I honestly didn't know any better I didn't know what that what XLR was USB and what have you and then what had happened was that my computer blew up and uh I was talking to my buddy Gene Worst on the telephone. I had the PC on, and then all of a sudden the thing went off, and uh, that was it. It was <laughs> the motherboard or something with CPU went bad. I was it was working a second. I didn't even touch it. So anyway, so what had happened was that I'm turning the clock back so you could have some lineage here, and uh, I said, all right, I'll buy the same computer. It was a Dell Inspiron desktop. But my friend Joe McFarlane had gotten this one for me. I mean, I paid for it, but he did the shopping and picked everything out, and he set it up for me. And he actually set it up. We met in the Hampton Inn in uh, in uh, outside of Flemington, New Jersey, because we're both Hilton Honors members. So we just went to the Hampton Inn, and we asked whether we could use the uh, the breakfast areas and showed him our Honors card. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, what, you know, do whatever you want to do. Have coffee. Help yourself to whatever's left over from the breakfast. So it was wonderful. And Joe set it all up in the Hampton. Now, mind you, he's not a computer person. Right? He had, he, uh, he actually, but he had, he had a job for a number of years with Canon copiers. And he learned a lot about some stuff during, through those. So he was, so he set it up beautifully. The thing worked great for a couple of years. Well, it was three years because it blew up in 2019 until it blew up and grenaded and was unrepairable so i buy the same one but joe's life went in a different direction i couldn't so whatever he couldn't set this one up and so i went to a place in hackettstown which is now subsequently out of business and they set this one up and supposedly transferred it just was no disrespect to them i mean uh i guess they were more repair guys than setup guys and they should whatever they got it to work but it never it never worked as good as the one joe set up and it always had some kind of bugaboo in it but anyway so what had happened was that i went back okay fine to recording my idle chatter podcast through the you know everything was the same right same model computer well it had some kind of buzzing noise in it that i couldn't get out and then I was calling to Dell support because it was brand new and didn't want to work. I don't even remember. It was just a nightmare. I was literally on the phone with India. Dell support was in India. And the guy was very, very nice, literally on the phone for eight hours. And you know you're in trouble when the guy from Dell, because he takes control of your computer, when the guy from Dell looks for a YouTube video on on a dell computer problem so it would be like a guy working for ford or chevrolet so well, i saw this on youtube so whatever it wasn't working it wasn't recording it was just it was it was a nightmare i had the show to do and so i remember explicitly i just gave it to the lord i said a prayer i said lord i said you know the struggles that i'm going through here i'm a totally at a loss i don't know why the old computer blew up and i whatever so i said please please this let's get this thing to work and then i sh- it was a saturday and i shut it off and then sunday went to church and i came home and i said to my wife all right i gotta face this right you gotta face the music no pun intended i mean it's not working it's not working i got a podcast i have to do i was early into the into idle chatter i didn't want to miss a week's show so 
I said it, I, like I said, I said that prayer, I gave it to the Lord, and miraculously it worked. I mean, I, I called the guy back in India, and because he was very, very, very nice. I forgot what his name was, I couldn't pronounce it, and uh, called him back in India, and I, I said to him, it's working. He says to me, you, you're kidding me, because he already gave me a return authorization number to return it, so it's defective. So I said, it's working. I said, it's working pretty good. So... So he said, what did you do? And I told him, I said, I, I said a prayer over it. I said, I just gave it to God. I shut it off. I gave it to God and they went to bed. I said, I was going nuts with the darn thing. You know, when you don't know, when you don't, I'm not good with this stuff. And I know, and that's why I always respected the, the frustration of people who contact me with a car problem, because if you really don't know about it, you, you feel very, very vulnerable. I mean, it's, it's something you need to get going and then and i respect that vulnerability for anybody in any walk of life if you don't know something and uh and you need that whatever it may be whether it's a car or washing machine whatever something in the house or or medical you really have to you know and today professionals don't don't respect that from my from my perspective but anyway i'll get back so he says to me what did you do i said i prayed over it so believe it or not the guy says to me you know i've been studying I'm, i was raised a hindu and i was studying the christian bible and i want to thank you so much for calling me because i can see and his words were that your god answers prayer so i thought it was a wonderful wonderful uh thing and maybe to, the man gave his his heart to christ so anyway so i go on and it, it did work and it did work but there was a couple of bugaboos in it and whatever but uh, some people claimed that they heard a buzzing sound other people claimed they did not i didn't know what was going on and that's when i invested in the roadcaster and went away from the computer and did everything with the roadcaster and that's what i use so in case you want to start a podcast i'll tell you everything i have and all the mistakes i made so you don't make them so what happens i got the roadcaster and that brought on a whole new learning curve and you have to buy a microphone so i got a good microphone right a, a real microphone not a headset from staples and uh little did the people know i had a headset and I, I wasn't doing that disrespectfully i didn't know what to buy i don't know anything about this stuff i'm like i'm a farmer i'm an engine guy so anyway so what happened was that i i bought all road stuff and i bought uh, and the people I dealt with, like that would be in H at the time in New York City, they were fine, but they really didn't give you a lot of advice, no disrespect. I deal with Sweetwater now in Indiana. They are fantastic, fantastic. But anyway, so I bought everything, and I did some research, and what I my research came up with saying that I should have a dynamic instead of a condenser mic because I'm not recording in a, I'm recording in my farmhouse basement. I'm not recording in a sound studio, and a dynamic mic is, is supposed to be... Um, it's not supposed to be as clear, but I bought a very good dynamic bike, a Rode Procaster, and it says broadcast quality, and it's not supposed to pick up as much noise. So from from outside noise, from I mean outside noise, because I'm not in a soundproof room. So I shut the well pump off. I make sure the cats are out of the house. My wife is out of the house. In the winter, I shut the boiler off. I can't have a fan going or whatever. So I try to get the best audio quality I can and. Uh, and whatever given the situation so then the other type of mic that you could get is a condenser mic which is a, 
a more sensitive microphone, but that sensitivity is a double-sided sword, right? It's like a, like building a real hot rod motor. It's right on the edge all the time, so it picks up all the noise. So anyway, so move forward, and then I got the radio show, and then I was working with uh, over the telephone. He's been wonderful, Austin Middlestat. He's the uh, program director and engineer, and he was giving me some things to tweak. But ultimately, I still don't know what I'm doing, and ultimately, I'm recording in a concrete block basement of the farmhouse which supposedly i thought that would be good but supposedly it's a night that's uh if you talk to an audiophile it's like it's, you know, uh, it would be like me saying somebody talks to me about cold starting an engine uh, cold starter 50 times a day uh. so anyway but hey it is what it is and like we say in farming you got to farm with the horses you have and these are the horses i have so now fast forward to, to just the other day and somehow the only social media site i'm on is linkedin and i don't even know why i'm on it to tell you the truth but i don't do much on it but whatever so uh, so something comes across linkedin and there's this company in tennessee that makes these sound booths portable sound booths they call them quiet something quiet rooms or quiet something and they're all different sizes they started about five thousand dollars they go up to twenty five thousand dollars so i said to myself boy i said this is really something I would be interested in uh, because what happens is that we have the cats and we, we have the Allie's three kittens and then the three new kittens. We're keeping everybody. They were born here. The good Lord gave them to us. So when Donald comes back, and I still believe in my heart that Donald will come back, the Lord will bring him back to me. I know some people may not think that, but I have to trust. My trust is in the Lord, not in me and so we'll have eight cats you went from one cat to eight cats but that's fine all right so i said boy this sound this portable but it weighs 900 pounds so it's not like you're gonna pick it up and carry it with you all around but it's on casters so that's why they call it portable and you could take it and you could move it around so i said this would be fantastic because i could have uh, the, the sound booth that i should really have to do recordings and then i don't have to worry about the cats right now charlotte has to take the kittens outside i gotta shut this off shut that off uh it's just like i said it's too, too many things you know in the winter i shut the boiler off i do what so if i have this sound booth so i before i and i'm not going to do it right now but uh, i sent it to austin over at radio sirius xm i said what do you think about these so so he says oh he says a friend of mine has one they're great and people who uh do voiceovers and uh, it, it, it it seems to be something a lot of people use and a lot of companies use like when they go to the olympics they have these things they brought it they bring it when they go to a sports event or something so so he says but what you may want to try to do in the meantime is get this reflective filter and he was very nice get a reflective filter like this and he he happened to go to Sweetwater and he sent me two different links for reflective filters so i looked at those and the one i looked at one was nine, $99 and the other one was $300 the one with the $300 not that i didn't want to invest the money because it's an investment just like i tell you guys it's not a purchase it's an investment you're expecting a return on your investment not just a bill in the mail it was quite large and since i record down on my desk over here it wasn't going to work i spoke to people at sweetwood i said don't get that one get the 99 dollars one because it's going to be perfect for what you're doing all right so i did some little bit of research and the microphone i was using as it was the road broadcaster 
a procaster, excuse me, they have a broadcaster also, and it was a front address dynamic microphone. So a front address mic means you need to talk to it in the front of the mic. All right, then they have what's called side address microphones, and then the side address is you talk to it. I was putting my hand in front of my mouth when I'm talking, and you talk it from the side. So it's more like a rectangular shape. So if you look like in an interview and they have a round microphone, they stick it in somebody's face. That's most of the time. It's a it's a it's a uh, dynamic front address microphone. So so you have to always talk right into it. And with the uh, side address, you talk into it, but it's set up the other way. So it's either setting it's 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 uh, it's vertical instead of horizontal. Where is the if that makes sense? So. I was looking at some videos from the company that makes this this reflective shield that Austin recommended, and I see the way it's set up, they all use a side address microphone. I saw nothing that I could use a front address microphone. So I got back to Austin. I said, that's fine. I'll buy a new mic. So uh, I was looking at the Rode NT1 condenser microphone. So it's all that's you know, that, that's good. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm just don't want to burden you with every the conversations. So I said, all right. So he says, well, make sure you can return. I said, I'm a hot rodder. I'm a farmer. You can't ever return this stuff. I mean, that's why they swap meets, right? All the torque converters and camshafts and intake manifolds and especially torque converters. Oh yeah, this thing stalls to forty five hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. You're tushy. It stalls to forty five hundred. Don't stall to forty five hundred. Anyway, so so I said I'm not going to worry about it. Whatever, I'll I'll just buy it and. If it doesn't work, I'll put it in the closet, or maybe it'll work if I ever, ever eventually invest in that soundproof room. So the stuff came. They're great. It came came right away. I got it. So, you know, I look at the videos. How hard can this thing be to set up this reflective shield? They give you all these brackets. It goes on your microphone stand. I don't use a swing arm. I use a regular stand. And so oh, this is easy, right? I said, hey, I might as well do the podcast. I'll get the I'll get the new parts, right? Like, hey, you got to get this new carburetor on the engine. See what it's like, right? So, uh, well, four hours later, it doesn't work. So this, So what I've learned moving forward is that... This recording equipment, this sound equipment, this photography equipment is no different than hot rodding. Oh yeah, so and that's what—that's really one of the things that 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 made me get out of the car business because somebody would buy something that they don't know anything. Oh yeah, this gear drive setup, or right, this belt drive uh, for the timing, you know, the cam belt drive. Oh yeah, it's supposed to fit right in, right? Oh yeah, oh, it bolts right in. Yeah, it bolts right in after a hundred hours worth of machining. I mean, I remember as an aside, we did a, I did a, a project engine with my friend Larry Lempecki from Promotion Engines. It was for a drag race magazine. It was a uh, conventional head. Uh, they were running a top drag stuff. So I, I don't think it was a 632. Maybe it was a five. I don't remember what the, it was a big, big motor and conventional head, dart head. Then we, you know, we got Jessel stuff to put on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to fit. <laughs> it's a good thing that Larry was an excellent machinist that fit after about 100 hours worth of machining. So anyway, but so nothing fit here whatsoever. So I'm recording with the new NT1, Rode NT1 condenser microphone. I got the reflective screen behind me i had to change some settings 
it, it's supposed to take less gain it wants more gain so it's like saying well a motor should really want more t- less timing with this song that on an hour wants more so everything is all over the map but yeah, uh, thank god I'm, i was a hot rodder and a farmer because i the screen would not work on my microphone stand so i have the other stuff on the microphone stand which is a new microphone and the uh the pop filter the big round pop filter in front of it where i had a windscreen and the other one was a built-in pop filter but anyway so but this reflective screen which is it's it's almost like that acoustic material it's in an arch it's supposed to go behind the microphone i have it on three hymnals and three cans of the kmr formula that ali we're feeding ali for the kittens so but according to what they said it's in the right position so i have it and you say what am i doing with three hymnals from the church is because sadly a couple of years ago our church closed down and they were getting rid of everything and i took three of the hymnals because god knows what they were going to do with them so let me know but this could not be more hot rod farmer mickey mouse the way it's set up unbelievable but it's just like building motors unbelievable nothing fits they give you the adapters they oh they're supposed to fit this universal oh yeah universal my patootie universal so uh we'll see what happens but actually to tell you the truth the three hymnals and the cans of kmr formula for the kittens is actually easier to set up than the way they have it with the bracketry so let me know whether this is sounds okay whether it sounds different uh like i said if you send me an email I greatly appreciate it you could say you know the same different worse better whatever one just one or one or two words that's all i need to know so that is it so what we're going to talk about today is uh you know i let me let me back up because i'm right 20 minutes into the show and like i'm telling you about my recording equipment i don't think you're turning into idle chatter to hear about that but you know i do those two short shows like they call them short shows they're short form content and uh so there's 60 seconds well it's supposed to be 60 seconds to 70 seconds they're in that ballpark and one is called a hot rod from a minute and the other one is called bushels and cents and bushels and cents actually also runs on uh rural radio series xm so hot rod from a minute doesn't and then a couple other people pick up bushels and cents and uh so whatever they the hot rod from a minute i actually think is a little bit better but they whatever people like the bushels and cents maybe like the name better so who knows but i you know with there's a, a lot of good topics that I'm, I'm saying that humbly that i think about i may rephrase that there's a lot of topics on because that doesn't sound proper it sounds like i'm blowing my own horn but there's a lot of topics that i choose for bushels and cents that is just very very i mean 60 seconds I mean, it's got 15 seconds of, of six seconds of music so it's not much and i say geez those those things should really really be expanded upon so that is one of the topics that i'm going to do today on this show is an expanded version of a bushels and cents and what i'm going to talk about is i want you to and i'm picking up something up here i don't know whether it's my belly groaning or what in this microphone so i apologize if this is no good you just let me know i'll go back to the old setup be like the swap meet it will go back in a box and sit in the corner but anyway i'm like this not like a swap meet like the uh, hot rod parts so but 
What I want to discuss today is I don't want you to think just miles or hours. Now, obviously on farm equipment, on stationary engines, on construction equipment, that they'll that they'll look at hours because you're not going to clock miles on a farm tractor, you're going to clock running hours. And then on the, a lot of road vehicles, specifically diesels, that they'll have hours and miles. Then, uh, then for the and uh, a lot of the diesel pickup trucks that have an hour meter also, it doesn't replace the the, the uh, odometer, but it, it replaces the. Uh, I shouldn't say it replaces. I'm just don't mind me. My I'm looking at the meters with this instrumentation here, but it's an adjunct to the odometer. And the reason why they did it on diesel pickup trucks is because of the regen of of the DPF. Because a lot of people they would use these trucks, let's say like the the uh, power company, or whatever, or or home heating oil delivery, or propane, or a farmer, and they let them idle a lot, and then. They would go through a lot of regen cycles and the people would complain so so they wanted to keep they thought to keep track of hours so if you have a later model diesel pickup truck by last 10 years someplace when you press one of those buttons in the dashboard you'll bring up an hour meter and that's what they use it for because they don't want you to come and say and i and i think actually one of the impetuses was the story i heard was from general motors i think it was a power company and they were all of their maintenance schedules were based upon miles and not hours and they were grenading the engines duramaxes because they never changed the oil i'm so oh, this thing's only got two thousand miles on doesn't need oil change yet but had 10 zillion hours idling so that's why they went to that and i put out as an aside to that i try to put hour meters on everything that doesn't have it i mean i put a hour meter on my pressure washer i put an hour meter on something else so i always like they used to call them proof meters on the farm tractors i guess it was proof of use so uh i'm making a little bit noisy with the chair i could hear it picking it up hopefully you're not so anyway so that's what we're going to talk about today because it's very important for you to think hours and miles and months but specifically we're going to talk about transmission shifts today because you have to recognize that the wear on a transmission whether it's an automatic or whether it's a manual is really related to how many shift cycles it goes through and i want to bring that to light because if you're looking at a trans if you're saying well geez i only have arguably ten thousand miles on this transmission fluid and it doesn't look that good if you have a vehicle as a dipstick a lot of vehicles they don't even have a dipstick so you can't tell it doesn't look that good let me you know and then you say why it's only got ten thousand miles but i want you to think of the type of use it has so let's talk for example about an automatic transmission so let's say we have two vehicles and it, it could be a farm truck it could be a car it's, it's, it's irrelevant so let's say we have my fiesta my little ford fiesta you can't get anything further away from a farm vehicle than that right so and it has the dual clutch transmission which is a manual that shifts itself which is different than an automatic because an automatic shifts on hydraulic pressure the dual clutch shifts with solenoids it doesn't have any hydraulic pressure it's a manual transmission that has a solenoids in there that, that move the forks and sh- and the shift lever inside so it drives like an automatic you drive it like an automatic you put it in d but it's not an automatic so so let's say we have a regular automatic transmission and some and um 
they are most vehicles today still have it. They have, some have a CVT, some have a dual clutch, and some have an automatic. So let's let let's forget about the Fiesta. That was a bad example. Let's say I have an F one fifty pickup truck, and I have a whatever eight speed, ten speed. It's irrelevant. Whatever automatic it has, and then I use it out here in the country, and I use it in the country, and I I put twenty thousand miles a year on it. So I, I come down Cat Swamp Road. It goes through maybe two or three. My it shifts up one to maybe third gear, possibly fourth gear. I just hit the mic, uh, and then I go into Hackettstown. It shifts, and then I ride a couple of miles. All right, and then I go to Michigan. I go all over the place. I put a lot of highway miles on it. So you have to wreck. So now, my let's say you have the same exact truck exactly. So I'm buying the same truck that Hot Rod Farmers got. All right, same color, same everything, but. Hey, Jason, we'll pick on Jason because he came out from Long Island. So Jason buys the same truck, and he lives out in the city there in Long Island someplace, right? And he drives in traffic all day long, and he puts 20,000 miles a year on. But the important thing for you to recognize is that the transmission that Jason has in his truck, which is the same as mine, and he says hypothetically, when he drives 20,000 miles in the city, he's got a hundredfold, a thousandfold more shift cycles than I have. So that is what I want you to start to look at your farm equipment, your vehicles, everything. I want you to look at, and it's not really a duty cycle because a duty cycle is usually an electrical load. That's how long electrical load on. But you want, I want you to think of how many cycles of shifts that this particular application had. So let's say arguably i get on i get in that f-150 that i don't have and i have to drive to michigan well i could conceivably go three four five hours depending upon when i stop for, to go to the restroom or get gas or something like that so let's say i go four hours i go four hours and for all intents and purposes that transmission once it got into high gear most likely is not shifted and Today, with the 10 speeds and 8 speeds, sometimes you'll drop a gear on a long hill, but, but for all intents and purposes, it didn't shift. So let's say I, I, I could drive to Ohio, and it's in high gear, whatever high gear is, and it doesn't shift, all right, until I get off the highway, and then it starts with shift cycles again. So I went 500 miles to Ohio. And it shifted up. When I got on Route 80, it shifted up. It stayed there the whole time. Beautiful, right? Jason out in Long Island goes 500 miles on not in one day. You'd be hard pressed to do that in Long Island, even if you drove 24 hours. So he puts, let's say, 500 miles a week on it. All right, still 500 miles. So if you're looking at the service intervals, it's still 500 miles or whatever the number may be. And and God knows how many shifts that that transmission went through in 500 miles versus my my three of let's say it's a six speed went into six gear so five shifts from first to six and went 500 miles and then then it downshifted and i parked in a hotel so he's got a zillion i'm using an exaggerate a, a zillion more shifts on it now you have to realize that on an automatic transmission and i'm going to talk about other things manual transmission and other pieces of equipment but if you have every time that that transmission shifts that you're engaging those clutches in and out so the clutches are come in and out and you have to recognize that on an automatic transmission 
So not only is the fluid that is in an automatic transmission a lubricant and a coolant, it is a working fluid, so it accomplishes something. So because it's a hydraulic system, so the fluid is actually building pressure and engaging the clutches in that transmission and the bands and what have you, a lot of these automatic transmissions, but still has clutches and a band in it. All right, so now whenever those clutches engage, there's a little bit of slippage. And that is why years ago, and they still make them today, is that they put a shift kit in. And a shift kit meant that if you had a hot rod or a drag race car, you put a shift kit in. So that meant that the clutch engaged very harshly. And the purpose of the clutch engaging harshly is is to minimize the wear. On a drag car, you want to have the acceleration. You don't want to have that slippage of the clutch. You want to have it, boom, come in there and engage right away. But on a passenger vehicle, or I should say a road vehicle, not necessarily a passenger vehicle, is that they don't have the line pressure set up and the ramp because there's a there's it, it, when you're looking at a pressure curve or even when you're looking like engaging nitrous or something they call it a ramp. It's the rate of engagement. So the ramp on a hydro on a on a production vehicle, the hydraulic ramp, the way the pressure builds to engage the clutches, comes in slower. So that means those clutches are starting to come in in that automatic transmission, and they're starting to and they're slipping a little bit, and then they engage. So let's say oh, I'm going to make up numbers. Let's say they slip for one second. All right. So my F-150 going is still going to have the same calibration that Jason's does out in Long Island. All right, but he's got a lot more times that it slipped before it engaged versus mine. So, so the thing is that he's going to have a lot more wear and that on those clutches and that hydraulic fluid is going to have a lot, is going to accomplish a lot more work as a working fluid because it got compressed it was working against the springs all right so it was doing all these different things it was going through the torque converter it was shearing through the torque converter so a lot of dynamics were happening to that fluid and those clutches so if you were to look at so if jason says to me hey jason i'm sorry for picking on you buddy but if he says to me i got this f-150 and you know whatever i brought in for service and they drained the fluid out of transmission and it looked like crap after thirty thousand miles i said well, i got a hundred thousand on mine that fluid looks beautiful well it's not that he got a lemon it's your driving cycle your use cycle and so if you were to take let's say a school bus and you had the same drive train in a school bus as you had a a, a box truck that 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 uh went 200 miles a day in the school bus went 200 miles there but the box truck went out on the highway and went 100 miles west and turned around came back 100 miles east just to exaggerate this then the school bus put the same amount of miles on all right but how many times that school bus start and stop well every time that school bus starts and stops then what you're doing is you're engaging those clutches you're engaging those bands that hydraulic fluid in the torque converter is being stressed more than it is going down the highway in the delivery truck so that is something to keep in mind is that you have to look at your maintenance schedule all right not only for for miles and we'll get into hours on the farm equipment with diesel trucks hours but also the type of driving cycle you have 
And the same thing is going to happen with a manual transmission. So if you have a manual transmission, we'll pick back on Jason, right? So he buys a truck now with a manual a car with a manual transmission. Well, he's doing the same route. The Long Island then changed because he bought a manual transmission. And what would happen is that he's in and out with that clutch. And even though he's good with a clutch, every time you let that clutch out, so what you're doing is you're pressing against that that throw out bearing you're pressing against that press pressure plate you're you're pushing it in and you're letting it come out you're pushing and you're working against the tension of the metal there you're pressing against the throw out bearing you're moving everything around and every time that you do let that clutch out that clutch is slipping a little bit and on a manual transmission that clutch is slipping going in and going back out so he comes to a stop sign he's putting he's coasting then he pushes the clutch in well for that nanosecond it's with second that clutch is slipping it's slipping more as you pull away so it's very very important for you to not only tailor your maintenance schedule as far as that is but it's the idea is to recognize recognize the fact that just like i recognize the fact that i'm recording in a lousy environment here and i want my recordings my audio quality to be the best that possibly can given the scenario i have just like if you jason lives out in the city he's not going to move he can't say well, i'm going to move out in the country in nebraska because some of my, my clutches don't wear out i mean that's not that's not realistic but you have to understand your maintenance schedule because of that you have to be and, and you have to understand that you're going to have a higher amount of wear than in certain aspects of that machinery or that piece of equipment because of the type of driving or use that it has all right so that's basically automatic transmission manual tr- tr- transmission same thing happens with a farm tractor piece of farm machinery so if you have let's say that you have a tractor and let's say it's a hundred horsepower tractor and and but it has a uh, hydrostat transmission whatever it makes no difference all right so let's say farmer a has a hundred horsepower tractor and he's a he's a, a, a he's a row crop farmer so he gets out there and he uh, pulls the whatever if he's doing some tillage he's got you know he's a thousand acres he's farming a thousand acres he's your easy arithmetic he gets out there and he's got enough fuel and he goes in there and he's he's running a field cultivator through the field right all right he's doing all of that and then he's planting he's spraying whatever he's doing with it right now farmer b has the same tractor and what he's got he's got a loader on it all right and he's going and he's feeding cattle with it and he's he's got he's got a small feedlot operation he's over there picking up manure backing up feeding cattle doing this doing that doing that everything right but what's going to happen is that not only is that transmission going to see whether it's a manual or a hydrostat whatever see a whole bunch of different type of usage which is going to be much more usage much more cycles i would say forward reverse in and out back and forth what have you accelerating deaccelerating than the guy farming a thousand acres and pulling a plow i mean a a field cultivator for a thousand acres i mean you can't do that without stopping but i mean i just want to exaggerate this out but there's other components that you must recognize and so let's say that these are both tier four diesels all right they're they're brand new tractors tier four diesels well and this goes to your road vehicles goes to everything also is that they have a throttle position sensor 
So the guy who's fil- who's farming a thousand acres, he goes out there and he's so all day long. The amount of throttle angle inputs that they have on this potentiometer is 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 basically constant. The guy who's feeding cattle or doing some other shuttle work with it, the new kittens are, are meowing and uh, maybe you hear him with this microphone. I hear him in the headset. But anyway, so what? So that throttle position sensor is constantly sweeping. The school bus, getting back to the school bus, he's stopping every, whatever, three, 400 feet if it's in the suburbs and stopping, releasing the throttle, stepping on the throttle again, releasing the throttle. So not only is that transmission doing it, but the fact of the matter is, is that you are sweeping that throttle position sensor. All right, so just using that as an example. I'm not going to go through everything, but I want some things that you may not think of. So you're sweeping the throttle position sensor. So now, after so many miles or so many hours, that throttle position sensor starts to wear, it starts to skew. So this thing is like two years old, right? But how many sweeps of the throttle does it have? You know, I used to go to the truck stop every morning for many, many years to have coffee and walk around and, and I... I, I mean, I, ever since Donald disappeared, I have not gone there, and I won't get into why. But anyway, so the thing is that, but they have those electric doors, you know, those automatic doors. And I remember a number of years back, the guy came to fix the door, and you know, those doors have—I didn't realize it—but those doors have a counter. When you take the, so I was talking to the guy who was fixing. When you take the count, when you take the the, the panel down with the belts on their belt, the, the the one this one was belt had electric motors and and belt driven, so the belt and go back and forth, to open the door, close the door, and they had the 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 uh, switches there and what have you. So the thing is that there's a, there's a counter on there. So I'm talking to the guy at five o'clock in the morning, he's fixing the door, I'm having my coffee. So he says, well, that's interesting. Wow, so there's like a counter. And he goes, yeah. He says, you know why we have the counter in these doors? He says, because the people think that they just had it fixed. He says, these people, the truck stop was complaining, says, oh, we just had this door fixed, all right? And, and, and now it's broken again. Well, he says there was... He looked at it. He looked in his records. He says, "I'm making up." This was close to the number. He says there was two million five hundred thirty-two thousand three hundred forty-two cycles of this door since we fixed it last. So <laughs> it's not. And, they, and so they're basically saying, "Well, we just had it fixed six months ago and it's broken again." Well, yeah, it had two and a half million open and closed cycles. And what he told me is that that's actually times two because it counts as one cycle, open and closed. So. So, you know, bringing that to light is that you have to look at your equipment and look at the use that it is having, and you need to tweak your maintenance schedule. Another thing that comes, and, and also, on, not only your maintenance schedule, but understand that you are not going to get 200,000 miles out of spark plugs like you would on a highway. And you say, 200,000 miles, that's crazy. I, I pulled my spark plugs out at 110,000 on my Fiesta, they were perfect. They didn't even move. Uh, uh, I mean, the, the gap was, everything was perfect. But keep in mind is that when you have a gasoline engine and you have transient throttle, you're accelerating, deaccelerating. Every time you accelerate, even though you're not burning rubber, every time you accelerate, all right, the ignition demand goes up. When you step on the throttle, all right, the ignition demand goes up. So you pull, you could pull away like an old lady from a traffic light, from a stop sign. The ignition man, demand goes up, and that wears the spark plug more. Same thing with tires. So if you look at tires on a, on a road vehicle, then you say, well, this thing can't burn. I'm not burning rubber. No, just the idea that you're accelerating and stopping puts excessive wear, or I shouldn't say excessive wear, 
wears the tire at a higher rate. And if you do a lot of around town driving and you're making turns, so if you're driving around town, all right, it's okay, I got to make a right here in the street and you make the turn, all right, even though you're not you're not jackknifing the truck or the car, all right, the idea that that tire is having to turn and that tread squirms a little bit is going to, over time, it's going to create more wear. Whereas if you were on the highway, so for instance, I'll use it, this is, uh, a real life example is that back uh, my wife had a 1999 escort zx2 which she still has a sporty two-door i had the the ford uh escort four-door sedan all right i my escort was a couple of months older than hers i was nine months older than her so mine was a 98 hers was a 99 basically other than she had the four cam motor I had the two, the the not, not the four cam two cam motor four valve. I had two valve. Everything else the same. Same tires, same brakes, everything the same. My wife did predominantly city driving. Uh, she was staying with her mother in Bloomfield, coming up to the farm on the weekends, taking care of her mother. We were already married. All right, I would get three to four times the mileage out of everything. All right, so I would get a hundred ten thousand miles out of my tires. She would get. 30 35,000 out of her tires i kept the tire pressure the same same tires coopers everything because she was starting and stopping the charlotte burning rubber she squealed no but just the idea of you starting and stopping and accelerating even very mildly i would get uh, i i would get a 150 147,000 miles out of brakes i never hit 150 she'd get 50,000 miles out of brakes why because was she riding the brakes no was she a, she was she a hot rod or no but she was just having more applies more more stops and more starts so i need for you to recognize that because you're going to have to not only, as I said many times in this podcast, right, they tweak your maintenance schedule, but you need to recognize that you are not going to get the same life out of something that a person using a piece of equipment a different way will will get. So you may get more because of your type of use, or you may get less. Another thing, something as simplistic as a lawn tractor. Years ago, my first lawn tractor was a John Deere 116 Beautiful that had an electric PTO clutch. So you would throw the PTO and it would engage. All right. So and now my subsequent John Deere, I had another tractor in between a husky, but uh that had uh, it was I mean, you move the lever and you just pull the belts tight. So with the electric PTO clutch, all right, as even as the tractor got older, the thing is that the tip speed stayed the same on the mower blades because it was in and out. It was electric clutch, all right? When you start to get some wear on these belts from you, if so take cutting them, taking them in, taking them out, I mean, shutting, I mean, taking them in, you know, engaging them, disengaging them, taking them in, taking out, you're putting in, you're stretching that belt, all right? And the same thing is, the same thing happens with the drive belt. So if you're starting and stopping that tractor a lot, and because you have to, I mean, that's the dynamics of, of, the, of the use you give it, you're going to have a higher rate of wear on that belt. Same thing happens when engines, with timing belts and with drive belts. So if you have a drive belt and you get out, whatever, get back out using Jason and myself, 
same F-150 than neither one of us have. All right, now I'm, I'm driving and, and I'm going to Ohio for 500 miles. That engine RPM is staying constant. When you're accelerating and de-accelerating, even though I said, I'm, I'm, you're not hot-rodding it, you're driving like an old lady, but you're changing the, the stress on that belt and the timing, the, specifically a timing belt on an engine, the rubber time belt, and even a timing chain. Because every time you accelerate and de-accelerate, the microphone's picking up something accelerate and decelerate is that you're putting a torsional load on that belt and that belt is stretching and then relaxing stretching and relaxing so it's very very important for you to recognize that on your farm equipment on your road vehicles on on even something as simple as a lawn tractor so now if i could buy a lawn tractor with an electric clutch for the pto which i'm i'm sure that they make them probably more of a garden track than the, I, I like that better because i'm not putting that stress and that 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 stretch on that belt but you know if you have an engine that has a uh timing belt on it so you are and you do a lot of accelerating and de-accelerating a lot of transient throttle you're always going to load that belt more than the person who is doing steady state <clears throat> on a piece of farm equipment let's say you have a loader right on a tractor so if you're doing a lot of loader work you're cleaning out pens with it right then what's going to happen is that you're going to i'm going to i'm going to say where the hydraulic control you're constantly moving that in and out you have to realize every time you move the hydraulic control and pull it back and then push it whatever with the tractor whatever that that system just like blood pressure on a person gets a little bit of a pressure spike i mean it's not a pressure spike where it's blowing the hose off but there's a little bit of a pressure spike so as you relax in a pressure spike so if you do a lot of low loader work or you're feeding cattle with it in a, in a feedlot or whatever you have a skid steer you're cleaning out a dairy barn or what have you is that you're constantly moving everything is that not only are you going to have more pressure spikes albeit slight but you have to realize that those pivot points are going to push the grease out more often than somebody who just uses it uses the loader and tilts it occasionally so you have to look at what is going on and the use of the piece of equipment you may have two pieces of identical equipment one is one is doing more of a cyclic work all right and the other one is doing more of steady state work you just like my wife's car and my car the two escorts i told you just about a minute ago you're going to see different wear cycles and and different maintenance i would say maintenance i'll say wear cycles and now then you would if you were um, let me rephrase that sentence the the use of it is you know it's going to show is going to reveal how much it wears and where it does wear same thing is with engine oil you have a lot of cold starts all right and you have a lot of cold starts a lot of warm-up cycles even with fuel injection and a lot of short trips versus longer trips and you know in the winter you get a lot of cold starts then you're going to have that richer mixture albeit for not that long not like it was years ago with a carburetor but you're going to get that richer mixture for that short period of time and over time that's going to start to to dilute the oil all right if you have a lot of a lot of transient throttles the engine is going to propensity to build more carbon deposits than it would if it's steady state so all of these dynamics come into play and i want you to i want you i asking you to look at your equipment 
and say to yourself, well, what am I, um, what I'm using this, I'm using this piece of equipment to do X, Y, Z. So like you take like an irrigation pump, that engine is going to start and run and what's running, it's going to be at a constant load. So you're not going to be stressing those drive belts or that timing chain or that, or that uh, timing belt if it has it as in a way that you would with a transient operation. And if you are uh, a volunteer fireman, if you're involved with your school board or something like that, and then you're going to have to recognize that the school bus is not going to get the same uh, life cycle out of its tires, out of its brakes, out of its out of everything because of the constant starting and stopping versus something that is a steady state operation. So it's very, very, very important for you to understand that. And there's things like I was bringing up about the TPS. There's things that that you know once you start to recognize it you say oh my god how many sweeps did this tps have because it's constantly going in and out of the throttle and that's one of the things with a manual transmission when you have a manual transmission vehicle piece of equipment and you're constantly you for you step on the gas first you release the throttle all right second you step on the throttle and and uh, you're going to have a lot more wear on an older carburetor on the, the throttle shafts, the accelerator pump, because every time you're moving it, the accelerator pump is moving, right? The throttle shaft in the bushing is going to a lot more wear. And then on a fuel injection, the throttle body bushing is going to get more because there's still a bushing there where it pivots. The TPS is going to get more wear. All right, so all of that is going to come into play. And, you know, they do a great job on stuff today. And, as far as where it's designing stuff to have long life but for instance it's like using another example the other day I was outside and the lady came to read our power meter and she has a uh, uh has a uh newer escape current body style escape and i was uh, so uh i'd seen her a couple of times and uh, i said to her do you go she said how long have you been doing it she says oh 20 years so i said do you go through door hinges a lot she goes, well, that's funny that you asked that because I, the door hinges do wear out eventually. On um, If I keep the cars like 10 years at the door hinges, the door starts to sag. So I said, yeah, because you're opening and closing the door. How, I mean, how she's going to every house. How many times a day is she opening and closing the door? Same thing happens with a taxi cab. The front door hinges don't wear out. The rear door hinges wear out because they're opening and closing so many more times. So I want you to think about that whether it's a dairy barn, whether it's a grain controller, whether it's a semi, whether it's a, a combine, all right, whatever it may be, whether it's your wife's car, that you have to really have your maintenance schedule and your projected life cycle based upon the type of use it is going to see. And that type of use it's going to see is going to be paramount to the potential problems that you have with that piece of equipment. So if something is constantly opening and closing, or it's sweeping or changing in RPM or changing in load, then that is going to have a higher wear rate by nature of its design and its use. I mean, my sister, same thing. My sister lives in Tonawanda, New York, in the town, in the city. So she's not going to say, well, I'm moving up to Montana or Nebraska so I can get better. You have to look at it, and that's why it's so important, and that's why I wanted to do this show, because if you look at all of your equipment, 
You're going to say, well, this piece of equipment is going to require more service or sooner service than the other piece of equipment that's exactly the same, could be same model, same year, same everything, all right, but because of its use cycle. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the American farmer and rancher. And hopefully, God willing, this audio was was at least uh, palatable for you to listen to. And I would greatly appreciate that if you let me know. And know that I am pulling for you and my beloved America. You have a blessed day, and I'll catch you next week, God willing. Bye-bye. <laughs>